0: Hi, everyone. It's Henry DeVries. I run the company called Indie Books International. Welcome to the Marketing with a Book podcast. It's not the Marketing a Book podcast. It's the Marketing with a Book podcast. This is where we help agency owners, business coaches, strategic consultants market with a book and a speech. And the idea is How to Find More New Clients by Marketing with a Book and a Speech. Each week, we get an expert or two. We have two today. We get experts to talk about different aspects. I'm very excited about our guests today and the experience that they bring. But First, I wanted to have a short talk with one of our authors, and that's David Goldman. David, welcome. Um,
1: Tell us about your first book and your upcoming book. Thanks, Henry. Hi, I'm David Goldman. And uh, I wrote a book called The Road to Happiness, How to Get What You Really Want. Uh, Nine stories of uh, clients who hired me in order to get what they thought they wanted. And along the way, they get what they really want. And then uh, once that happens, they, they sort of get everything. Everything falls into place. So I'm very proud of this book, but I'm very excited about the upcoming book, uh, called bringing in the business without sounding like a salesperson that I'm co-writing with Henry DeVries and Mark LeBlanc and it is uh, specifically for professionals who want to bring in more business and not sound or feel like a salesperson in doing it so it's it's for uh, the people like financial advisors attorneys accountants uh, ad agency people, people who know they need to bring more business in, but they don't want to feel like sales people. And so um, a very non-toxic approach and uh, talks about phases like the attraction phase and how to have a meaningful conversation. And also talks about um, the Goldman enrollment process, which is how to get people on board without actually selling them.
0: David, I'm very excited about the book as well, because we really haven't put in writing our philosophy about enrollment. And we teach something very different than other people who help professionals and consultants and agency owners with that, Uh, so those conversations. And we have field tested those, uh, you, Mark, and I, for decades. So very excited to bring that in. Well, thank you for being with us today. Now I'd like to introduce our uh, two special guests. So I I get to um, tag our people. So speaker view, I'll go on Alan and spotlight Alan for everybody. And then Ian, I will spotlight ian and i'll spotlight me if it sounds like my producer is taking a vacation day you'd be right uh so (laughs) there we go now the three of us so let me introduce our guests the topic is going to be the importance of a design brief when you're creating a book how do you get that look and feel how do you get that cover that you want Well, it starts with a tool, and that tool is a design brief. We're going to talk about it today. Um, Our two guests are the founders of The Book Designers. Uh, It's been around since 2005. We'll hear more about uh, their company. Um, Alan Dino Hebel, graduate of uh, Platt College in San Diego. I know it well because I ran an advertising agency in San Diego, and uh, their graduates were great to hire, uh, well-trained, just really understood the business, and uh, it's nice to talk to an alum. And he has over 20 years experience in the book industry, and uh, I'd like him to share a little later some of the um, well-known book companies that he's worked for. And then with him is uh, Ian Koviak. I didn't give his personal On uh, a personal note, he lives in San Francisco with his family and he's uh, a fan of the San Francisco Giants and he likes to play basketball to stay in shape. Uh, sure. Welcome, welcome, Alan. And then uh, Ian, uh, originally from Brooklyn, New York, probably near Thoidy Thoid and Thoid. Now, the, I didn't really <laughs> hear that Brooklyn accent. That might be because uh, while he was born there, He was, uh, he's lived in India, the Philippines, Hawaii, and even that exotic crazy place, California, that I'm from. Um, He brings another 20 years experience in the publishing industry. And he lives in Northern Oregon, uh, plays guitar and does archery to keep in top form. So yeah, an archer. So don't want to mess with uh, Ian. Okay. Uh, Ian, welcome. Kind of like the Hunger Games, right? You know, uh, Katniss Everdeen and Ian probably pretty good with a bow and arrow. But seriously, uh, let's go into uh, um, Ian. Why don't you start us off? Um, why did you form the book designers? What was your thinking back then, seventeen years ago?
2: Uh, we started off in uh, in a publishing group in San Francisco that. Um, dealt primarily with uh, kind of Eastern philosophy. They had a lot of imprints that did uh, kind of music and movie tie-in books. And um, we basically built a kind of er our early career with um, just doing kind of really uh, limited edition, beautifully printed. Um, So basically very spoiled from a design standpoint, kind of a, a, career entrance, and um, we we just got our grounding in, in that, and uh, then uh, we had segued out to start our own company, and we weren't really planning to do just books, um, you know, kind of had a multidisciplinary practice for about a year or so, and it just became apparent that that was our forte, that was where we had started, and so we just kind of uh, kept kept going for it. Um, yeah, and our our clients have uh, kind of spanned the gamut. And we we work with a lot of indie authors as well, um, kind of a 50-50 in that regard. And um, yeah, just been going for it since then.
0: Alan, do some name dropping. What are some marquee clients you have?
3: Um, you know, we've been fortunate to work with everyone from Penguin Random House to HarperCollins. Um, over a decade worth of cover design projects with source books. Um, Let's see here, turn to my shelf here. A lot of Baylor University titles, again, spanning over a decade of different cover design projects, Penn State University, um, Oxford University Press. um, And then we did a few years with Amazon Publishing and all of their various imprints. Uh, We did a few really beautiful um, collections of, one was Sherlock Holmes, which was a very unique printing with die cut, specialty inks, specialty papers. Uh, it enclosed uh, the whole collection. Um, one was for Sherlock Holmes. One was for Jane Austen, and there were two kids collections, all classics. Um, and then we, uh, so yeah, a lot of a lot of really great publishers and a lot of good opportunities over the years. Um, the uh, mandala Publishing was the publisher we were kind of worked with the first five years that Ian was mentioning. We did a lot of um, Eastern philosophy books and inside editions, did a lot of rock and roll type books. We did uh, the Rolling Stones 40 by 20, which was uh, 40 years of the Rolling Stones history covered by 20 of their best photographers. Um, and that was a nice clamshell edition book with specialty prints that were signed by the photog- you know, photographers in it with um, in a vellum sleeve, various, specialty fund, things like that. So uh, like Ian uh, said, we've been spoiled. We kind of were brought up a little spoiled because we worked with a uh, Wunderland Publishing and Inside Editions also did a lot of print brokering. So um, they went overseas and actually did press check a lot and, and put a lot of um, a lot into the production of their book, be it spot varnishes or, or metallic inks or, or specialty treatments um, that we got to be a part of. Great. We, in the future, we're
0: we're hoping to say, yeah, they work with Random House, Penguin, Harper Collins, and indie books.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Books yes. Yes. O- Oxford University Press. You know, um, yeah. you bring up a, a good point. I've, we've, um, I've placed authors with like Stanford University Press, and that that that's an area that can be like traditional publishing, give you some cachet with a name, um, eh, but not necessarily have the rigors of trying to sell a proposal to um, Simon and Schuster or something like that. Okay, so let's talk about design now. This is your, your wheelhouse, your forte. Many of our authors are so worried about the words and getting the words right and then when it comes to turning it over to the graphic artist uh, or the art director, it's more like, "Oh, okay, you guys figure it out. I'll, I'll know. I'll know. I will know. I like it when I see it." Mm. <laughs> so, what's a better way? Um,
2: yeah. So one of the things that you know most publishing houses that come to us provide us uh, is a design brief and. Um, We provide those to our indie author clients as well to sort of answer preliminary questions that will help guide um, the overall thinking and um, you know trajectory of the project. Um, A lot of times folks think that design is this sort of yeah we'll we'll know it when we see it, we want to give you creative license and freedom, but actually designers tend to work best within you know, a certain level of parameters and clarity. The more clarity there is about who your audience is, who you're trying to target, um, you know, what are the competitive titles that are out there? uh, Where's, what's the shelf space this is gonna sit in? Um, All of that kind of stuff is very informative and helping our thinking and ability to uh, just just hit the target. Um, And, like I said, publishing houses will provide a lot of that kind of stuff up front. And they'll, you know, they'll either have answers from authors about these things, or a marketing team will sit and, you know, figure out how they want to position the particular book. And um, otherwise, um, you know, we provide that kind of a thing for clients, because it really narrows down uh, what we're trying to achieve. And it also kind of helps an author focus more on the reality that this is soon going to be something that is, you know, either physically or as an EPUB gonna be in your hands and it's gonna be out there and it's gonna have a life on its own. And it really matters that it lands in the right hands and isn't something that sort of is ambiguous from a design perspective. It's not really clear where it fits on the shelf. And um, yeah, so that that's kind of where that comes in uh for us and guiding the process for us but also kind of helping um an author really understand that kind of final piece which is you know who do you want this you know uh realistically who's going to be holding this book you know a, a lot of times uh Folks will have an idea that they want this is for everybody. It's for women and men equally, for all age groups. And, you know, they have this kind of real uh, wide net cast about who their book is for, but it's just really not the case. It's never the case with, with publishing. Um, your book has a very specific audience, and the closer you define that, uh, both to yourself and, and in a design brief to the designer. The, the clearer you're going to hit the mark. So that's Alan, that's that. Yeah,
0: sorry, Ian, thanks. Um, Alan, let's talk about some of the elements of that brief. And then, Ian, you can uh, hit things that we miss. So sure. let's kind of go through you know, a numbered list, one, two, three, four sure. five, that they should do. Yeah, I'd
3: be happy to do that. We have kind of like a little bullet list that we kind of try to keep it simple when it comes to publishing and when it comes to book design. It can be very com- complicated or it can be a one, two, three, Uh, Process, we try to keep it simple. Um, When we do start the process before we begin, uh, this is a bullet list that we request of information that we request for projects Um, a synopsis of your book, a latest manuscript, doesn't have to be a final, um, a description of what your vision is for the cover. A lot of times, sometimes people don't have a vision, a lot of times, authors will have a vision or Uh, some nature. Any suggested images for the cover? Sometimes there's a particular image or illustration or, you know, texture or maybe text only, type only cover. So um, any suggested images for the cover? Uh, Covers of competitive titles um, is another thing we like to see. Uh, Covers that you're attracted to. Um, We ask that question because it kind of gives us an idea of your taste in books, what you what you respond to in regards to the general look and feel of your favorite covers out there. Um, We we ask for a confirmation of all text to appear on the cover uh, because it's important when we start a process to make sure we have all the final text for a front cover. Um, Adding a subtitle after we have a design can be pretty tricky. Um, And also a confirmation of the book's trim size, you know, having the trim size correct when you begin a project is important. So uh, those are the general uh, questions that we ask and answers to those are what we use as our design brief uh, for, uh, you know, moving forward with projects.
0: Ian, what would you like to add?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean,
2: certain publishing houses will go as far as providing, you know, mood boards and, um, you know, they'll scour scour different uh, artistic styles, um, type typographic treatments, uh, fonts, you um, color schemes, you know, that they're, I mean, you, you mentioned at the start of this meeting, uh, that the book that we're working on with you, you know, house, uh, you know, blue and, and green and that kind of stuff is definitely guides, guides the process. And, um, you know, they're all helpful things. And, um, you know, there's been many projects we've worked on where, you know, there's sort of a open-ended brief and yeah, the, the classic, um, you know, we'll know it when we see it. Approach to uh, to a to a cover and um, or or interiors as well. And um, you know, it's just nice to kind of have some of those guiding points for everyone involved. It also shows a level of investment and interest that that the author is actually now able and willing to. Um, you know, as much as we might think that writing is some. Uh, Dramatically different endeavor. It's it's actually it's it's a it's another creative endeavor, and it, it does require uh, just uh, as much creative thought as as putting together a cover that's meant to you know draw readers in, and um, it doesn't have to be really overt complicated. In fact, majority of the most successful books out there are going to rely on uh, pretty straightforward and um, clean, direct messaging, uh, you know, visual messaging. And, you know, like Alan said, sometimes that's something as simple as the right typography and font, and you can really kind of, um, you know, avoid even showing uh, images for certain titles, and it's just not necessary, you know, it doesn't add anything to, at the end of the day, the job, is to uh, communicate with your audience very clearly and create a visual system that allows uh, the hierarchy of what you're presenting to be very, very accessible and uh, readable, especially nowadays with uh, covers appearing smaller and smaller online. Um, Oftentimes people are navigating things on tablets or their phones, and uh, publishers are increasingly asking for, um you know things to have just a very very uh large hierarchy visible hierarchy on the cover so right uh, it's a lot different than it was when my father was designing covers and when alvin lustig and paul rand and some of these guys uh in the in this uh in the design world were doing the kind of work that we do now uh they could get away with tiny tiny text real big graphics and um you know, it's just, uh, it's changed a lot,
0: so. There's definitely fashions and styles and tastes. Uh, if you look at a, one of the most successful business books of the last 20 years, Good to Great by Jim Collins, um, that is a very simple cover. I mean, it is good to great in red with black, you know, red, white, and black. Um, you know, if you want contrast, red, white, black, uh, red, white, blue um, can be very strong. Um, one of the things I advise authors to do is go to a bookstore. Find one of those 750 Barnes and Nobles or independent ones and go to your category. You know, your category is probably business if you're working with us, or it might be, uh, self-help, something of that nature. And just see what is current. See what's out there and see what you react to and like. Um, Write down those titles, and you can go online and copy and paste to give to the art directors so they get a feeling for what you like. And I think that's what you were saying, in, as part of your design brief, did I track that correctly?
2: Yeah, definitely. Yes, uh, that's sir. that's something we advise uh, authors to do: is just really go to the bookstore, look at look at things. You know, it's actually pretty interesting how often. Uh, we have authors who, you know, sort of, you know, ask us what the norm is with um, just the, the the simple structure of opening pages to a book. You know, what comes first, preface, forward, this, that, contents, uh, you know, what info should go on particular pages. Um, I definitely advise you know op- open up some books, look at what 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 feels good to you and what makes sense to you because there are hard and fast rules, there are traditional and classic treatments, there are definitely design tropes. There's things that work for certain uh, topics, uh, be that business or self help or um, you know you, you're always going to have publishers say we really want this cover to look like good to grade or tipping point or. You know that kind of uh, effect, and um, you know there's a reason for that. And uh, the the main reason is is that particular audience really ate up that particular kind of look. And uh, at the end of the day, the goal of any uh, book design is is sales, and that people pick it up. And um, there are many ways to achieve that. And um, you know a lot of a lot of it does depend on pop-cultural type of stuff where something's worked before, don't reinvent the wheel, You know, do, do it again, do something similar, or at least hint at it because it's familiar and it feels like something that that audience would engage with.
0: I'll give you a mantra from Hollywood producers. I want the same thing, only different.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's
0: been successful, if, if it's the tipping point yeah. of good to great, yeah, I want that, only different you know, don't, don't copy it a hundred percent. All we know is it's working. So go for it. Yeah. I'd like to explain a little something different when you're in the traditional publishing space. And uh, I'll take McGraw-Hill, for example. When you're an author with McGraw-Hill, as part of the contract you sign, you get zero control. That's a zero control over the cover. So for my Warren Buffett book, they showed me the book and said, do you love the cover or do you really love the cover? Those were my two choices. (laughs) Right. I said, I really love the cover. Um, Now with an indie published book, like an indie film or an indie record, the creator controls the content and the intellectual property. They hire professionals with the same degree of rigor as a traditional publisher would have to help them, or at least they should, the world does not need another crappy looking self-published book. Okay. So you get people with this rigor and you team and you're going to get to approve. So typically, I don't know, what do you do? Three or four thumbnails that based on all this information that you get
3: a minimum of three to four. That's our, uh, I think we have four to six in our contract.
0: Yeah, well, we don't want to engage in what we call skeet shooting design. Um, if you know skeet shooting, it's the, the people with the shotguns and they yell, pull, and then this clay pigeon goes up in the air and people go, boom, shoot it down. Right. So we don't like to have four designs and people go, boom, 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 what else you got? Um, so you need to work with the designers to give them feedback at that stage about, and, and I'm going to tick off mine, and I'd like you two to respond. I would say, and we've actually developed an 18 point checklist, but it's do you, what do you think of the font for the title? What do you think of the font for the subtitle? What do you think for the graphic image? What do you think of the colors? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the graphic? all these you've provided input in the brief, and now you're seeing things, and this is your time to give feedback what How do you like them to give feedback at that stage?
2: Um, yeah, so we we typically ask for you know a very structured bullet list, and um, we like to do what's called um, just you know very Uh, positive and progressive uh, feedback. So for us, the way that looks like it's basically focusing on the stuff that's working, you know, um, you know, the more time an author uh, or art director or anyone is focusing on the negative aspects of what you've presented. um, You know, it's easy to get kind of lost in the shuffle of, you know, what's not working. And uh, so we usually try to ask that the feedback stay towards the constructive things that are working, you know, uh, be that something as simple as the only thing that's working is this font that's used for the author name. Well, that's a starting point. And uh, it actually, believe it or not, gives us a lot of um. It, it ends up being very informative for us just to know things like that. And, um, and, and we start getting the idea that, you know, you're responding towards this particular kind of hierarchy and um, color schemes and simplicity or complexity. And um, so we, we tend to ask for that. And uh, we'll, we'll ask for a very pointed, simple bulleted list of the things that are working, the changes that you're hoping to see. Um, and sure, there are times where uh, something completely is off mark and uh, you know you just gather uh, that it's not working and at that point we'll revisit and uh, reconvene and you know maybe ask a few questions or just know instinctively where we went wrong and what, mis- what part of the process was a miscommunication and, um, and then we'll pick up from there. So.
0: Ian, let me give a metaphor, and and Alan, you can jump in to respond to this too. I have a favorite sushi chef, and I was speaking to him once, and he said, being a sushi chef is like playing chess. I said, "How how do you mean? He goes, well, when a customer comes in and says, I'd like a California roll, that tells me something. If they come in and they want uh, Ikura, salmon roe, and uh, uni, and uh, they want a certain kind of hand roll, that tells me another thing. And it's like moves that you make back and forth. And I thought, that's a lot like art design. It's a chess game. For most people, it's the first time they're playing chess. And for you all, you're like grandmasters who have played this, this chess game a 1000 times. Um, how do you view the back and forth?
2: Yeah, that's kind of how it is um, for, for me, Uh, I mean, and and I I can only imagine for Alan, you know, we've looked at so many interiors and and book covers that uh, not only do you develop a sixth sense about it, but you also, um, you know, you just, you get, you get an, an idea of where not to go with your work and what when it's time to sort of break the rules, when it's time to you know, kind of uh, you know test the waters, um, but definitely you 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 sense uh, whether a client's been sort of around the block and um, they know they know what they're doing, uh, and that can be both helpful and detrimental. Uh, it really just depends on on the communication that goes on. Um, you know there are people who've been in this industry for a long time. There's authors who have been around the block and had many books published, and it's definitely uh, sometimes a boon and sometimes a curse. Um, I think a lot of times when it's more of a curse is, I'd say, when a client uh, has a history of having been a art director in the 80s or something, and they yeah. haven't done it for the last 30 years, but they feel like they have a lot of, uh, you know, gravitas there. And and so that, that to me, is uh, always the more troublesome relationship because, you know, there's, a, you know, a lot has changed since then, you know, and so the, the, you're, you know, you're ending up communicating in a completely different style, right, so...
3: And one of the one of the chess matches kind of perspective for me is that, you know, it, it is all very subjective. You know, what we think could be the best award-winning, you know, uh hands down best cover design. The client might feel, no, that's not worth for me. Uh so for us, it's always important to understand that and to try to please the client with the end result, understanding that they're going to be the ones selling the book and backing it. So you know, for, for me, who's a little bit uh, more of a production process uh, role in the in the company and, and client communication, um, it's important to to kind of let that guide the process and make sure that they're fully pleased with the end result. So we try to make sure that's the case each step of the, the way, uh, from the front cover to the sample layout spreads to the, you know, full book design to the back cover, every aspect of the project. That's generally our goal in, in moving forward, so.
2: Yeah, and that's why we have the kind of structure we have in our company. You know, Alan has been uh, the client liaison and project manager for our company since the beginning. And, you know, there's a reason for that. You know, he's definitely a people person. Designers tend to be more, you know, brooding. And I, you know, obviously there's times where I uh, flip the lid and get offended by something, (laughs) Right. But uh, you've always got somebody like him who can temper the communication process, and it's it's a huge part of uh, running a studio. Always having that point person who is on the client side is able to speak the client's language and kind of um, you know uh, keep thing keep things moving in a positive direction. And and um, yeah, that's that's important.
0: Really? Yeah, when I when I ran an advertising agency I would have nicknames for the two of you Alan is the promise maker and Ian is the promise keeper and they're both both very important uh, to the process that you you have those two people and it's not like in TV like with Don Draper meets with a client does the ad turns it all out and you know the madman phase right okay so I want to do another pop culture illusion, uh, this is Star Trek. And in Star Trek, they had something called the Prime Directive. And the Prime Directive was don't interfere with the evolution of a a planet. Okay, in indie books, we have a Prime Directive. And it's that an indie author needs to love their book. The only person in the world that it is important that they love the book it's not me the publisher it's not ian uh, the promise keeper or alan the promise maker or devon our vp of production or even the readers you have to love your book because if you don't love your book how are you going to get other people to love their book
3: yes exactly
0: sometimes though excuse me, with a first-time author, there's two traps. There's the perfection trap and the comparison trap. And it's really another way of saying fear. And they enter a fearful stage there toward the end. Um, so how have you both found out or find ways to help people get through that perfection and comparison trap?
2: Um, I you know for for me uh as mentioned uh, earlier it's you know it's it is about going out there looking looking at competitive titles um we've asked clients to really just kind of print their their cover out um you know pop it on a book and leave it around the bookshop ask a few people what do you, you know how does this cover make you feel you know and see how it sits on a shelf with other things and that's kind of that, that, you know, kind of pieces out the the feeling that, you know, you, you see it in context and, um, and you see, see where your book sits out there in the wild. And that's definitely a helpful meditation and exercise. But as far as, um, you know,
0: I love that, by the way.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, as far as dialoguing with clients, um, you know, there's times where, you know, somebody's feeling insecure about a particular direction, or we really just feel that where the client's taking the project, you know, we're feeling that they're not entirely sold, that there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, that they're just, they're going along for it. They think that this is just kind of how it goes. And then sort of months later, you know, they resurface and right at the edge of of going to to pull the trigger, they they express certain doubts about things that they, and a lot of times it kind of uh, sinks and echoes with things that we had been telling them along the way that are our personal doubts. But at the time they really felt strongly about uh you know some particular direction and uh treatment and we you know it it sort of mirrors and echoes you know over time we find that that's the case more often than not that um, things that we warn clients about early on that are going to be a detriment to how how things are looking or uh, any number of other things readability online visibility Uh, that, that it ends up being something that, that they agree with eventually, or that we can kind of talk somebody into a compromise, you know, like, well, can we have this, but, you know, let's try, let's try it in this way. And then they see it, that it looks better, it feels better. And, um, you know, so that's, that's one way to kind of work with fears surrounding those end stages.
3: We've been fortunate to not have to have too many, uh, you know, clients that kind of leave with uncertainty and fear, generally speaking, our process is such that they're really pleased and and ready to go with the end result. And that's really, you know, our goal is to is to make them uh, exceed their expectations. So they're really ready to hit the road, uh, marketing and selling their their publication.
0: Like other consultants, though, we we have to be a little bit of a therapist. Sometimes we have to listen to some angst and um, Oh, yeah something you've talked about a couple of times, but I I just want to stress is it's not necessarily what it looks like on a bookshelf is what does it look like on amazon.com? What does it look like when they're scrolling through titles or the ones even below people who bought this book also Mm -hmm. bought. And that's a quick skim if people can see it. In my working with Amazon, I found out in the nonfiction space, Amazon knows if people are interested in a topic, they don't buy one book. Mm -hmm. For instance, I was given 90 days to write the Warren Buffett book. On day one, I bought 11 books on Amazon about Warren Buffett. So it'll be on different topics. People will do that. Um, So a lot of times you're skimming that line below, people who bought this also bought these, and it, it needs to pop. So Talk about that change that it has to pop in a small space too.
2: Sure, um, we it's not uncommon for us to actually, uh, you know, take a a screenshot of a bestseller of memoirs or or uh, you know history books or fiction titles uh, on on Amazon and uh, mock up a client's cover into it and showcase it to them because that is that is the space that it's going to live in more often than not and um, and it is a a great way to show them the book in context and and uh, I we've we've had a lot of clients appreciate that Um, so we have done things like that to kind of just um, you know make them understand that This is kind of this is this is where your final sort of thing is going to be living amongst these little one-inch covers, um, you know, in this kind of a general uh, space, and 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 it it is an eye opener, you know. It's sort of like, hey, that actually looks really good compared to a lot of the, you know, other things out there, or if if it's you know if it's in a space that has a lot of really great. covers you know it fits amongst them and it really works uh along with it but it's different enough and you know it has something that 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 grabs your attention amongst the cacophony of other covers so
0: i thought i'd show this this is what my book in chinese is sure yeah so now there's a simple design the only way i'm sure it's me was uh that flap that my picture's there (laughs) Um, i i hear uh I'm better in Chinese, I lose something in the original. Um, okay, so we've talked about design. One, one last question. Um, I just wanted to hear kind of the epiphany moment for your business. Uh, you know, What was your aha moment as you created this company and you worked through? Um, you, you've been at it for 17 years, so you both get medals for that. Uh, and we appreciate that you're still going, but what was the aha moment?
3: For I can say my the one aha moment uh, for, for me, for, for us, is, um, you know, Ian mentioned we were a multidisciplinary design studio, and at one point, um, we, we, you know, we thrived with books. That was our bread and butter. So I thought, you know, why not to get more book projects, get bookdesigners.com, buy that URL. Um, at the time, we were going by Allian Design, which was a fusion of Alan and Ian when we started. And we bought bookdesigners.com for $1,500 being like, aha, it's perfect. Let's change our name to the book designers. How perfect. And let's do book design for the rest of our careers. So that was a very aha moment. And it's been, you know, a blessing ever since as far as continuous inquiries from first time uh, authors to, you know, published authors, to um, art directors from publishing houses, just, you know, constant work. We've been very fortunate in the industry. So.
2: Yeah, I agree. That was uh, one of the, uh, whether it was an aha moment or not, it was for sure one of the more intelligent business decisions that we really ever made. I mean, we've, we've blown a lot of uh, time, energy, and money on marketing ourselves in different ways, and uh, but that has got to be hands down one of the more uh, savvy business decisions was just springing and giving ourselves a extremely generic name that's basically the search term that you know people find us by and somehow or other in all of that um, we actually really uh, ended up attracting um, a lot of work from mainstream publishing houses as well so that that was also kind of a interesting turning point and aha moment for me personally as a designer and sort of a feather in the hat was that The sort of generic name didn't deter these uh, large publishing houses from taking a chance on us and um, uh, you know, just, just seeing us as something more than, yeah, just a a design studio, generic book design studio that's uh, banging out, um, you know, quickie covers, Um, you know, we, we, we gained a, a reputation for thoughtful and um you know compelling engaging designs and um it's it's really fascinating after all these years yeah that that we do get a a good amount of work from these publishing houses and yet have this uh you know very plain and you know uh a, a name of the people you know it's just something that any anybody searching out online is and end up coming upon it at some point. And um, so it was just kind of a, we were doing something good. Like that was the aha moment, that there is something that we were doing right. And, um, you know, uh, it's still hard to figure out. Sometimes you feel like a hack at this, but uh, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you wake up every day and you have a really one of the more interesting jobs out there. I think that's the other thing that's so dramatically different, uh, to other design disciplines where a lot of the work that you do is sort of ephemeral, ephemeral and, and, you know, uh, transient and things sort of come and go, but a book is going to always sit on someone's shelf. People are always going to connect with it. And it's kind of something that's probably not going to go away for a very long time, uh, and covers, despite them getting smaller and smaller and that, Kind of stuff you know that still needs to be there it still needs to be something that draws people in and it is really still a big uh determine you know determining factor for people clicking on something and being drawn in and it has to look like something that people are interested in so uh yeah that's that's definitely the aha moment is that we were able to do something that is approachable for the indie author market but yet somehow or other our work has stood uh, the test of being um, marketable, marketable enough for uh, larger houses to take a chance on us and continue to do so.
0: Your sharing the aha moment reminded me of two insights from the research I've been doing in the last few years. And one is the market respects Going super niche, you know, niche, niche. However you want to pronounce it, but the market really expects that people are looking for that. And from my own experience, I've been in business twenty-two years. It was eight years ago I finally surrendered to the market because people kept coming. That's great. All these other things that you do, uh, could you write a book? Could you get a book published for us? And It was after about 15 that I thought, oh, hey, wouldn't it be interesting if we said that's what we did? Uh, Maybe more people would find us. And then even niched more eight years ago and formed Indie Books International. With you, I think books are gonna be around for a while. The report to the death of print is largely exaggerated. And if you look at all the statistics, um, more and more books are being published. Now, more and more people are listening to the books than ever before.
2: Yeah, the second yeah.
0: thing is we've discovered in the market today, especially post-pandemic, clarity over cleverness, being clear or over being clever. So the book designers is perfect for that. Oh, what do these people do? They design books, let's talk yeah. to them. That just gets them to your door, then you have to deliver. And, and as someone who's looked at your portfolio, it's, it's like, well, I will stipulate these people know how to design books um, from there. And then the conversation begins, uh, you know, with Alan about, okay, what's your philosophy? How do you work? What are terms? What do you like, don't like? All those discussions, which are really buying questions. Um, and you, Alan, you did a great job with those. And Ian, you've been very great today explaining your philosophy and, and how you approach it. I've just been very pleased to be able to talk to you. And I want to thank you both for spending time with us today.
3: Thank you very much for having us.
0: You're welcome. Um, And with that, I'm going to thank everybody. And this has been another episode of Marketing with a Book. And we look forward to being with you on future episodes on how you can find new clients by marketing with a book and a speech. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.